Pastor Xavier Rees says the simple truths of Scripture are the foremost authority for everything. My responsibility is to make sure I do things biblically, not emotionally, not what my neighbor tells me, not what some carnal counselor tells me, but what the Word of God tells me. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, profit for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly or completely equipped for every good work. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Conventional wisdom says that nice guys finish last. But the simple truths of Scripture assure us that faithfulness to God's Word is the measure of success in God's economy. And though obedience to God is not always the easiest road to hoe, Pastor Xavier illustrates from the book of 1 Samuel with the Honorable Hannah how it's our faithfulness that pleases God in the end. The message entitled, Hannah, a Vessel of Honor. Hannah's an incredible woman who occupied a very small period in man's history, but her dependency and her faithfulness to God affected the entire nation of Israel through her son Samuel. He was a prophet. And certainly the provided lessons for us in the book of Samuel must be translated to the present day. There's a danger of always studying Scripture simply as information and never making the application to the present and the equal value, and maybe more so because it affects us. She was a woman who longed for a child, but she was barren and she wanted to experience motherhood. What a contrast to so many women of our day who put off motherhood for being sexually active or seeking a career as the primary focus of life, and they want to continue this competition between equalities of male and female. And they give up some of the most precious things, unable to really supervise or guide their children through life or even to meet the needs of her husbands the way they're supposed to. It's impossible to have everything. You can't have it all. You just can't do it. Today, the goal of most parents is personal fulfillment, as you know. They do not hesitate to remove whatever constraint children might impose upon them in order to enjoy and have a feeling of fulfilled lives. This is the whole media thing. This is the whole message that's thrust upon us at the expense of their children. The story of Hannah is one of obedience and faithfulness to God despite the circumstance of her life and the sharp contrast to the so many women, certainly of the world today, people who don't know Christ. But I think in a great portion to many women in the church of Jesus Christ today who call themselves Christians because they, are, they allow themselves to be so influenced by pop psychology and all the watering down of God's word. Hannah lived in the period of the judges. A period lasted probably about three, 305 years. The first 12 chapters of Samuel are part of that period until Saul reigns as the first king of Israel, going from a theocracy to anarchy, and then finally to a monarchy through the king. So you have this transition. Right now it's anarchy, the book of Judges. The two common phrases of the book of Judges, as you know, were in those days there was no king in Israel. 
And the other was every man was doing what's right in his own eyes. Relativism. You live for yourself. You tell me what's right and wrong. Relativism. No objective truth. This is where the world is today. This is where our nation has been going for years. Now it is the standard for life. Look at around our society. You like the product? The period was a time of moral and religious decay, as well as political chaos, resulting in social anarchy. While other women were following the order of the day, as we look to this text, Hannah followed the Lord, but it was not easy. Please understand this. We look and we read and we say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we, we intellectually analyze it, but we're not in, in, in the mess. You understand? Ruth fits right in this period, the book of Ruth. Another group of godly people during the time of the judges. They didn't go the way everybody did. They lived for God. And so the story of Hannah, the faithful godly woman, unfolds in a threefold movement. Let me give you the three movements, and then what I'm going to do is read each section as we move along because of the length of it. It's a little different than we do usually. But here's the threefold movement. First, the afflictions of Hannah, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. Secondly, the petition of Hannah in chapter 1, verse 8 to 18. And thirdly, the acquisition of Hannah in chapter 1, verse 19 to chapter 2, verse 11. Let me read verse 1 through 7 here. Now there was a certain man of Ramathon, Zobim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeraham, the son of Eliu, the son of Tabu, the son of Zup, and Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other was Panina. Panina had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up to a city yearly to worship and sacrifice of the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also his two sons, Eli, Hophni, Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering... He would uh, give portions to Panina, his wife, and to all the sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had um, closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year, year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Notice here the afflictions of Hannah are given to us. In verse 1 and 2, notice Hannah's affliction was due to her marriage condition. She was married to a man here, Elkanah, which means God has possessed or God has created. He was here in the region of Ramathim, Zabom, the mountains of Ephraim, the Ephraimites, one of the major cities. That was the, the, the head tribe, if you remember uh, conquering the land. And he was the son of Joram, the son of Eliu, the son of Tobu. And you say, well, what do, I, what do I care about those names? And sometimes we read the Old Testament, we, we think that we're to read it when we just can't go to sleep, and maybe we'll get bored and go to sleep. But God is very specific in the genealogy because often he will give these, and as you follow them, you see the accuracy of his word. And, and so it's important that we pay attention to them. Notice in verse 2, she was one of two wives, which is never good. Um, one was named Panina, which means coral. Uh, some say pearl or jewel. And she had children. But the second, Hannah, 
Her name is Grace, or grand, Gracious Give. She had no children. She was barren. And, and we're going to see this repeated two or three times. The Lord had caused this barrenness. God was in control. Something that's very important here. Barrenness was a mark of shame, a sign of uh, disfavor with God in those days. And um, it was a tragedy because every Israeli woman was hoping she would bear the, the, the Messiah. This was the hope of Israel. And so there was a lot of uh, social stigmatism and shame that went along with this. And yet God was behind it. Now, notice the condition of the two wives can only bring affliction in any home. As noted, the past history of Israel, Sarah, Hagar, Rachel, Leah, the house was full of jealousy, envy, favoritism. And um, nothing results good from this. You cannot love two people at the same time, even when society says, it's okay, you can do it. It's unnatural. You live with a divided heart, and you bring so many problems to yourself. Notice in verse 3 through 5, Hannah's condition would not go away by her husband's favoritism. There are certain things that you and I are going to have to go through to the Lord, and no one can help us, not the pastor, not elders, not our husband, not our wives. And you're going to have to walk with God, sometimes on two feet, sometimes on two knees, sometimes on all four, sometimes on your face. But it's going to be just you and God, no one else. You understand? Look at verse 3. Her husband went up yearly to Shadow to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts. The phrase Lord of hosts remembers the captain of the armies of heaven. That's a good one to have on your side. He's never lost a battle. Though it's chaotic down here, <laughs> he's okay. Keep that in mind. Again, the location of Shadow, nine miles north of Bethlehem. And the two sons of Eli were there, Hophni and Phinehas. In verse 4, her husband Elkanah would always give Penina and her children a portion for the sacrifice. But in verse 5, a double to Hannah. And I'm sure Penina didn't like that, and that didn't help the situation. And then the condition of barrenness. Now the other reason this was that the Lord had closed up Hannah's womb. It says in verse 5, she could not be satisfied with materialism. There are certain things that are not going to fill that void. You understand? The things that God has in store for you, only He can fulfill. No other way. They're natural things that God wants you to have, and he's directing all that. She couldn't substitute a double portion for not being a mother. You understand? Look at verse 6 through 7. Uh, Hannah's condition was uh, made worse by Panina's antagonism. Panina was her rival. Uh, she went out of her way to provoke Hannah severely in order to make her miserable, which indicates anger and indignation causing her to rage. Panina's motive was malicious because the Lord had closed up her womb, being unsympathetic, uncompassionate, knowing she would only humiliate and bring shame to her the more. Is there a Panina in your life? Listen up. Verse 7, Panina provoked Hannah year by year as they went up to the house of the Lord. Are you mad? You're going to the house of the Lord. You're worshiping. And there are people who go to church and they're just like Panina. They're just rats. And they've done it so long. This is where they live that, you know, they think they're okay. She was being attacked spiritually when she should have been focusing on the Lord. And because of that, it became a great distraction. And let's always keep that in mind. These are distractions that get your eyes off the Lord. Hannah was afflicted emotionally as she wept, notice in verse 7, due to the provocation of her barrenness. Look at the end of 7. Hannah was also afflicted physically as she did not eat. Our emotions will affect our spiritual 
attitude in our physical bodies, either for good or bad. It's very clear that science tells us that many diseases are brought about by the excretion of certain elements and juices of our body by our thought patterns, whether it be hate or preoccupation, anxiety, or stuff like that. There's no doubt in that. And again, you know, life is there to remove you from the peace of God. You have to be careful. Helen Keller said, quote, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them I have found myself, my work, and my God. If you've ever seen the life story of that woman, incredible. You might have an unequally yoked marriage, perhaps, be it because you are disobedient to marry a non-believer and you are reaping to what you've sown. Um, you might be unequally yoked because you came to the Lord after you got married and your mate is not. Either way, you need to be an example in faithfulness to God. Peter addresses the women directly and specifically in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 6. And he says, Wise, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won over by the conduct of, your, of the wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outwardly arranged of the hair, wearing of gold or putting fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of gentleness and a quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror." The problem is that the church has gotten on the pop psychology and politically correctness and the self, you know, the poor me's, and they say, well, if you do this, then I'll do this. No, 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 listen. I don't care what your husband or wife does. You're to obey God's word. You don't obey God's word because your husband or wife is going to respond or be going to do something. You please the Lord. You make sure you stay right with God because God will use your life for your mate. You may be in a different situation, a difficult Christian marriage. Today, there are many blended families. You have the problems of ex-spouses, stepchildren, difficult situations. This is the norm. This is not the exception. This is where our society is. What one can handle intellectually is one thing. What one can handle once one steps into it emotionally and practically, that's a whole different ballgame. You know, people are, you know... Assessing the situation. Oh, yeah, okay, this and that. You got your ex here. I got my ex here. And we got this and that. Well, we can handle it. And all of a sudden, you jump out of the plane. Then it's, ah! <laughs> See, what you thought you understood, you didn't understand. Now you do. Two different things. It's called reality. Now, certainly there are situations where you have to take more drastic measures, and you have to look at that. We can't cover all scenarios from the pulpit. But my responsibility is to make sure I do things biblically, not emotionally, not what my neighbor tells me, not what some shrink tells me, not what some carnal counselor tells me, but what the Word of God tells me. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God, proper for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly or completely equipped for every good work, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. That is your only authority and your ultimate responsibility to please God and mine. We justify, we excuse, we compare. That doesn't mean anything before God. You will have adversaries in life, people who provoke and do not have your best in mind. You can do one of two things. You can allow them to cause you to sin or allow them to cause you to run to God, to hide there with Him, a strong tower, a fortress. Listen to Psalm 18 too. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and my horn, my salvation, my stronghold. These have to be more than words. These are the armament, the weaponry in the actual warfare because this is warfare. We already read, he's called the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. This is spiritual warfare. This is not when everything's going good. This is not sitting in church and taking notes. The afflictions of Hannah cause her much suffering. Now notice the petition of Hannah is presented next from verse 8 to 18. Let me read. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Uh, Am I not better to you than ten sons? We'll get to that. Uh, So Hannah, (laughs) so Hannah rose after they had finished eating and drinking the shallow. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting uh, um, in the seat of, of the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look upon the afflictions of your handmaiden and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Maidservant, I'm your servant. I'm I'm the vessel. It's repeated over and over again. I will give him all to him all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continually prayed before the Lord that Eli washed her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. This, was the, 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 this is the pagan festivals and temples of that day. All this stuff was going on. You read the book of Judges. So Eli's thinking, well, this is one of these dirty dog ladies that's in here. What's the matter with her? He said, so Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. And Hannah answered and says, Oh, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Notice the petition of Hannah. In verse 8, Hannah's petition was in view of her husband being insensitive. Elkanah was completely oblivious to the provocation of Panina towards Hannah or plainly indifferent to it, evident by the threefold question. And as men, we're different than women. Totally different. We think different. We look at things differently. Am I not better to you than 10 cents? No, stupid. 
That's a dumb question. Look at verse 9 and 10. Hannah's petition was unto the Lord, who knows all things. She rose after worship, sacrifice, as Eli sat on the seat of the doorpost of the tabernacle. Here he is, the high priest. He's overseeing the worship, making sure things are in order. And she was in bitterness of soul in verse 10. She prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Her bitterness of soul that affected her emotion caused her feelings to, to cloud her ability to fix on the Lord. But now, being open to the Lord and His will, she's brought into a meaningful interaction with the Lord. What is going to take place here is between her and the Lord. No one else could take care of it. This is very important. Her prayer refers to intercession to entreat or supplicate. And her prayer, notice, was as she wept in anguish in verse 10 there, which means a strong crying and tears, very fervent and affectionately. Look at 11. She prayed with personal commitment. Her prayer was accompanied with a vow to the Lord of hosts. Here it is, the Lord of hosts, the cap the armies of heaven. He's the one that you want defending you. Let me tell you, every time I have tried to defend myself in 36 years, I've done a poor job. In fact, I've gotten myself in worse trouble. But every time God has defended me, I've come out real good. <laughs> Notice her prayer was addressed to the only one who could look on the affliction of his handmaiden with understanding and remember her barrenness. He's the one that caused her to be barren. Still in 11, her prayer was very specific that God would give her a man-child. Too often our petitions are too general, shotgun style, rather than bullseye prayers. You need to be very specific with your God. And you need to be persistent and consistent. Her promise was that she would give him back all the days of his life and no razor would come upon his head. This is the Nazarite vow in the book of Numbers chapter 6. Samson was a, a Nazarite. Uh, John the Baptist. Uh, as we'll see, Samuel belongs to the Levitical order through his genealogy. Now in verse 12 through 18, notice Hannah's petition was misunderstood by Eli the priest. This is the, this is the, the spiritual mediator. And he misunderstands her. In verse 12, through 14, Hannah was being washed by Eli, the priest, and he thought that she was drunk. In fact, because her lips were moving and no sound was coming out of them, for she spoke in her heart. And therefore, he rebuked her, asking her to put away her wine. Look at 15 and 16. Hannah then told Eli her true condition. She says she was a woman of sorrowful spirit. She didn't know why God had shut up her womb. She wasn't understanding why her husband didn't understand her. She was being misunderstood by the priest now. Boy, you talk about everything going wrong. You ever had those days? You think everything? But listen, listen to me. Let me give you a real simple principle. Nothing's forever. Now, Satan wants you to think that that situation's forever. It isn't forever. It's only for a little while. And the situation, your emotions, and people want to help you bail out. You hang in there. You trust God. You go through it. And when you come out on the other end, you'll be less like you and more like Him. And that's always good. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, illustrating how the true test of faith is, in fact, believing without seeing. Important simple truths we're drawing today from the life example of the faithful Hannah from our series in 1 Samuel. And you can hear this program again anytime by opening the radio listings link when you log on to CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. Now there's much more to come on our next broadcast as well, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title to ask for is simply, Hannah, a Vessel of Honor. It's available on CD, as always, for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Once again, the title to ask for is, Hannah, a Vessel of Honor, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com